Hi everyone, I'm Tara Mont, and you're listening to the Trust and Thrive with Tara Mont podcast. I created this podcast along with my blog and brand to hopefully inspire others to live their most authentic life. I truly believe that we all have the power to live a life we love, and to do so, it's so important to be in tune with ourselves and be open to growing and evolving. I believe that once we can trust ourselves and our vision, that's when we can thrive. So with this podcast, I plan to discuss all things to do with self-reflection, personal growth, mindsets, and self-belief, all aspects that affect us in our everyday life. If you feel connected to my message and want to listen more often, I will be sharing one podcast a week, so make sure to subscribe and stay tuned. Welcome back, everyone. I hope you've been enjoying June. It's so warm today in LA. It was pretty gloomy. We had some June gloom in the beginning of June, but now it's pretty warm. I closed the windows to record this so there's no noise from outside, and I'm so warm right now. So so overall, I hope you enjoyed last week's solo episode on embracing change and stepping into the unknown. If you haven't listened to it yet, I talk a lot about what I've learned in this past year because so many changes have happened for me personally, one of the most intense years of my life. So I touch on that and I also share some research I found on the different fears that keep us from embracing change, how we can overcome them, and so much more. So if you haven't given it a listen, make sure to after this episode, and that will be episode 30 embracing change and stepping into the unknown. So this week we're back with a guest who I was really excited to talk to and I really enjoyed our conversation. Her name is Lee Mayer. She is the CEO and co-founder of Havenly. Havenly is a popular online interior design and e-commerce company founded in 2014. Lee created Havenly to make decorating a home easier and more budget-friendly for everyone. She did this after buying her first home and struggling to find an affordable designer. Lee has spearheaded Havenly's business to grow 14 times over the past two years, landing the company a spot on CNBC's 2018 Upstart 100 list. In this episode, Lee opens up about her experiences that led her to start Havenly, how she went to Harvard Business School and how that's helped her, the truth about being a founder and CEO, the struggles that come with that, whether that's imposter syndrome or finding that work-life balance and so much more. So I really enjoyed this episode. I actually went on the Havenly website and I love interior design myself. I don't have my own place yet, so I really look forward to designing my own place. And it was so fun to just go on Havenly and and see the different options that are provided for you and, and just how easy it is for customers to find what they want while they're also on a budget. So I really look forward to using it in the future. We also touch on why it's important to have that space that represents you well, whether it's just a few things in your home or your office that just make you feel good, that just make you feel like yourself and that represent your style. That's so important. And that's what I love about Havenly is you really get to choose what style you like. You get to be very specific about what you want and they create that for you. And I think that's vital to be happy and to thrive in your own life. You need to have a space that represents you authentically. So I hope you enjoy this episode with Lee Mayer. And so with that said, let's just get right into it. So hi, Lee. Thank you so much for being here. I know you're really busy, so I really appreciate it. No, thank you for having me. 
Of course. Do you mind starting off by giving listeners a little more insight on yourself, Havenly, and what led you to start the company? Yeah, for sure. So I am um, a first-time entrepreneur. So prior to this, I worked in jobs in um, finance and consulting, so a little bit more traditional um, business path. Um, And I started Havenly about uh, almost five years ago now. Um, And the whole idea is we really wanted to make design super easy. So we wanted it to be easy for you to know what to put together in your space to kind of break the paralysis of not entirely being sure what your next step is in order to make your home look the way you want it to look. Um, and so we offer online interior design services. They start at, we actually have one package that starts at $19 all the way up to $109, depending on what you need. And we match you up with our one of our interior designers who works with you. They create beautiful renderings for you. They suggest products for you. And they just basically act like your knowledgeable best friend through the process. That's awesome. And what sparked your interest in interior design? Were you moving and going through this process and you needed that help? Yeah, I mean, definitely. Who hasn't gone through at least one move where you think, oh, I wish I had more time or more energy or more knowledge or more money, whatever it is, to make my place look fantastic. So yes, I certainly had gone through the experience myself, but I think always, and this is going to sound super creepy, but I've always been, I love looking at other people's homes and how they've decorated it. You know, if you're ever running at night and you can look into people's (laughs) windows and you kind of take a look at like, oh, that's interesting that you put that there. Um, And so I've just always loved this idea of well-decorated spaces. I have this whole belief that home is really where you spend so much of your life um, that is your own personal time. And so it should really reflect you and you should feel incredibly comfortable in this space. So I think this is kind of a natural extension of that. I completely agree. And I'm the same way, whether it's in person or on Pinterest, just getting those ideas. And I did want to ask you that. I'm glad you brought that up. I was going to ask, how important do you believe it is to have a space that authentically represents your style and who you are, since an environment really does affect your mood? And I think a lot of people forget that. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it really does, right? I mean, I think, you know, in the times when I've lived in, you know, I've lived, for example, I live for um, 12 years in New York city. I, I, I left a few years ago, but I remember there was one period of time where I was sort of in between apartments and I was kind of living, you know, subletting in this like tiny little place. Um, and I just felt so uncomfortable all the time. Like I didn't sleep well. It felt like it was someone else's stuff. I didn't like bother investing in making it feel like my own or just comfortable. And I never really wanted to be there, you know, so I'd find excuses to like go elsewhere or, you know, and so for me, I think personally, but I think for a lot of us, just this concept of a well-designed space is so important. And even if you think about how people think about office design now, people are putting so much energy. I mean, Google and Facebook and all of these companies have literal like hundreds of people thinking about office design because it's so fundamentally important to sort of your day-to-day well-being. Definitely. And did you grow up in an environment where design was really important? Did your family really care about that? I'm curious to know. Um, you know, I think it varies. I would say my, 
um, you know, my, my sister and I have this joke about my mom where like she definitely cares quite a bit about interior design. However, I would not say her design tastes are anywhere near my own. So, um, so we differ on that. But she, I remember, you know, when we first bought our, um, you know, kind of the first real house my parents purchased, which was, you know, large enough for us two kids and, you know, going around and how excited my mother was to sort of buy her own sofas and, you know, excited to decorate her bedroom. And I think for me, it kind of started off this lifelong desire to be in a home that, you know, reflects me and feels like my own. Mm -hmm. And growing up, did you expect to be a founder and a CEO or what were your plans? Ideally, did you just plan to work maybe in an interior design company or did you always imagine that you start your own business? Well, I've actually never been an interior designer myself. I um, I went to um, college and then graduated and worked in kind of finance, um, and you know then went to Harvard for business school and you know worked in consulting and then you know kind of uh, running the PNL of a public company. Um, and I think from my perspective, um, I always thought of myself as more of a straight track business person. Like I think, you know, I figured if all went well, maybe one day I'd be the CEO of a large ex existing company, but, um, I never really thought of myself as an entrepreneur, entrepreneur. And even in business school, you know, my, I was, I was in business school at an interesting time. A lot of people in my class started these large consumer startups. Um, but when I was in business school and these people were doing that, my classmates were doing that, I never really thought of myself as being in that category. I don't know why. Honestly, maybe there was, I think there's a part of me that thought there was this sort of magical entrepreneurial DNA, like you're either a founder or you're not. And I figured I wasn't one. Um, and I think, you know, ultimately what I've learned is, A, that's not true. <laughs> it's not like, you know, there are some people that can be and there are some people that can't be. I think it's, it's a lot of... Um, it's a lot around both opportunity and, and sort of your willingness to kind of make it happen. Um, mm -hmm. And so that was a surprising thing for me. Um, but no, no, I, I never thought I'd be, <laughs> I never thought I'd be an entrepreneur and, and not in the least because, you know, so many entrepreneurs that you see on television or that are sort of glorified in the press or certainly, you know, prior to, I'd say this era um, where I think we've had a, a very different moment recently, but prior to this era, it was all men. I mean, it was all white men. Um, sometimes they were wearing turtlenecks and sometimes they're wearing gray, gray t-shirts and jeans, but there were people that looked like Steve Jobs and Mark Zuckerberg and not necessarily people that look like me. And so I think, you know, again, this, this moment that's kind of come about around pretty much every aspect, I think of society, um, trying to elevate, more people of color, more women, just more people with diverse backgrounds, um, I think has been hopefully a good thing. And hopefully more little girls will grow up thinking that this isn't an option for them. Definitely. And that's very inspiring. Do you think you ever face judgment for following that path, whether it's from being a woman or for just following your route and starting your specific um, business? Did you face judgment from other peers in your school or your family? I'm curious to know. You know, I think I'm, so I think, you know, one thing has happened certainly in the last, call it 10 years, and that's um, so many people from a background like mine, and, and I mean, sorry, educational background like mine, have started companies and been fairly successful at it. And so I think fundamentally, a lot of the stigma that you might have had 
you know, below, b- before, um, has, has gone away a little bit, at least from, you know, people in school or people I used to work with. I have this, like, my parents are incredibly, incredibly supportive. So I don't, I don't mean to say sound like they aren't. Um, and my dad's actually an entrepreneur himself. So he's, you know, fully on board. My mom though, is this like classic Indian lady, you know, they're immigrants from India and they worked really hard to give me this life, this education, and there's a part of her that's like, you know, you went to like the best schools in the world and, and you, you know, I worked so hard to give you this life and now you're an interior designer. Like, you know, for her, because like, you know, Indians always want their kids to be, you know, the, the stereotype is doctors or engineers. So I think, um, and this is not that obviously. So I think there, you know, she has her moments of, well, but you could have been a doctor, <laughs> which I find kind of funny. Um but, you know, honestly, it's been, the, my community has been really supportive. I think where you feel it the most, um, you know, sometimes is I do, and in particular, as we were getting Havenly off the ground and it wasn't as much of a thing and it didn't have a lot of data behind it and it was a very small company. When I was raising my first round of capital, um, it was a lot of judgment around the company I was starting, what I look like, um, you know, that I was, I'm, I'm not just a woman, I'm actually very petite, so I'm very um, short, <laughs> and so I look very young, um, and so there was some of this, like, consternation around uh, whether or not I was qualified or old enough, um, which I thought was, you know, sort of dismissive, so there was, you know, from people I didn't know and, and people that were trying to sort of evaluate me as a business person and the founder of a company, um, you know, you definitely feel like, uh, I wouldn't say judgment, but you do feel like the deck might be stacked a little bit against you. Mm-hmm. I appreciate you being honest. I'm sure a lot of people can resonate with that, whether it is their parents or their friends or their family. So being a founder or co-founder of a company, I know it must be so hard, especially in the beginning of the process, to not doubt the vision. You are the only one who may see the vision at one point. So what did you do and what do you still do on those hard days where you you're doubting everything or people are judging you for that? You know, I think it's um I think that's probably the hardest part about being an entrepreneur. It's that and also, you know, the biggest thing is you're kind of alone in it. So, you know, I still have these incredibly scary moments where, you know, we're a pretty large company and I employ a decent amount of people. And there are moments where I'm like, shoot, we could go out of business tomorrow. You know, it's entirely possible that we don't make it or we don't, you know, do all the right things in the future or the economy turns. And the thing is, I can't really share that with my team Um, because, if you know, I have that inside me, but I can't necessarily put that on people that don't fully understand um, sort of what all of the information that I'm getting. And so it's very lonely. So you end up sort of being in this place where not only do you feel um, doubtful and you, you know, I'm certain I'm not the only woman that you've talked to that has a healthy case of imposter syndrome. Mm -hmm. Um, But you also feel like you can't really talk about it to anyone because people don't, the, the ultimate truth is people, as much as they sort of intellectually understand what it's like until they're in that seat, they absolutely do not understand what it's like. It is the weirdest feeling in the world. And so you end up, it's it's funny, I think about this all the time, like it ends up being this thing where you start to rely a lot on other founders. 
So I've created, you know, I have a whole list of people who are CEOs of their own venture funded startups. And when something happens, I talk to them about it because they totally understand. So when I raise a round of financing or when I feel like I'm, you know, I have a team issue or when I feel afraid that, you know, we're not doing as well as we wanted to, those are the people I turn to. And inevitably, because they understand and they can talk to you with a different level of understanding and, you know, it helps you feel like you're so much less alone, which in and of itself is such a gift. Thank you for sharing that. And so I wanted to ask you, what are some of the challenges of being a CEO? Because I'm sure you have to let people go and deal with some hard moments that you maybe not, might not want to personally, but it comes with the job. So what are some challenges you faced and what have you learned? So, I mean, I think ultimately there are a couple of things that the CEO of the company just has to do. And, you know, one particular task that I typically don't love doing is fundraising. I like, I'm not, I don't think I'm very good at it, although. So yeah, so things I, you know, I think the ultimate truth is you end up being the backstop for all of the things the company needs to get done that no one else is doing. So there are lots of things that I don't want to do on a day-to-day basis, but I end up having to do it. But the thing is, is because it feels like yours, like you ultimately have such a great impact as a founder on your company that it feels even things that I don't love to do feel vitally important. So, you know, it gives it a lot of meaning and that in and of itself, I think also helps you get your arms around doing some of the things. Um, so like a good example that people will tell you is, you know, this job is not for the person that wants to check in and check out. Like it is your life. You are devoting so many hours a day to this. Like, do, you know, I always tell people like, do not start companies because you think it gives you flexibility. It might over time eventually, but you know, the first couple of years, you're working pretty much, you know, 18 hours a day, 15 hours a day, 12 hours a day. It's like crazy. And you're working weekends and you're working nights. And I think that, in a, you know, that's a hard thing to kind of put time into, you know, time into anything like that. Um, but again, it just feels so vitally important for the company. And you, you care about the company so much that it kind of pulls you out of whatever funk you're in around it. Mm-hmm. And do you believe that you feel more fulfilled working on your own business that you believe in and that you're passionate about as opposed to maybe just working for someone else if you don't believe in the vision? Do you think that's changed your sense of self and your inner happiness? I think it has. I mean, I think, look, it's a lot harder. Um, I think there are days when I'm like, I really wish someone would just tell me what to do today. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think, you know, fundamentally, um, we are fortunate in that we have, I don't know how to say this exactly, but basically like I, I have a company that I am very passionate about and it's doing pretty well and we've got great board members and great employees. So I think that also helps, you know, cause there are things other than just the vision that matter. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a harder path. Um, there are days, and, and in fact, this last long weekend, I was thinking, wow, wouldn't it be nice to just be able to not open up my laptop this weekend, which really isn't an option for me. But if I work for someone else, I think it might be. And yeah, you know, maybe I would be less fulfilled and I'd, I'd probably make a lot of choices that weren't my, you know, the things that I do within my own company. But 
That would be nice too. Um, that being said, you know, for me personally, this has been the most incredible professional experience in my life. I've learned so much, both personally and professionally, actually running this business. So I, you know, if people are willing to go for it and you really believe in something, I think it's totally worth doing. I appreciate you being honest so much because I think entrepreneurship is especially glamorized so often and people think it's easier and that, you know, working for yourself, it's so simple. But at the end of the day, it's not just a nine to five when it's your business too. You're always working, like you said, and I'm sure it's hard to find that uh, personal life and work balance. So yeah, I'm sure that's really hard. Have you experienced that? Yeah. I mean, it's, look, it's hard. I, um, you know, I tell people this too. Like I, I had to, I had a lot of sort of balance issues for sure. I'm trying to get a little bit better at prioritizing the people in my life. Um, but you know, I went through a divorce through this process. Like this is not, again, this is not for the faint of heart. I keep, I feel like it is, um, it's an incredibly rewarding experience, but, um, you can some, it, it comes at a cost, uh, to other, other things around your time. Um, and you know, look, I am not saying that you can't, and I, I tell people this constantly, you know, look, I'm not saying that you can't do all of the personal things you want to do, but you'll find yourself severely limiting them. And, you know, hopefully if you're really good at it, you'll prioritize one or two things outside of work that really matters to you. And that can come at an expense to things like, you know, your social life or vacation time or your friends or, um, you know, and I think that is something, you know, I, when I talked to earlier stage entrepreneurs as they're going into starting a company, I typically say, you know, there's kind of four elements of your life, I'd say there's like work, there's, you know, personal or romantic life, there's your family and, um, and your friends. And, you know, you can kind of pick two, maybe pick three, but, um, but if you're starting a company, it's really a pick two type of thing. Everyone else will take a backseat for a while. Um, and that can include things like working out. It can include things, you know, you're probably not, you know, and that's, that's okay. It's temporary, right? Eventually, you know, we're at the point now where we're hiring more people. We've got more people on the leadership team. I now have the ability to take a vacation. But, you know, there were two years in there where this was pretty much all I was doing. Um, and that's hard. It's hard to live that way for any extended period of time. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure you're finding that balance, especially the first two years when you just have to really, really grind and find that balance. So if you could give advice to someone who maybe is in that position of they want to start a business, they have a vision and they haven't started yet and they don't know where to start, what would you tell them and what advice would you give to them? So I think I typically say the following. So first, figure out where you stand. Are you truly committed to this? Are you committed to the idea? Are you committed? Are you effectively committing the next at least two, maybe more years of your life to doing this? And you, you know, you, you ultimately are the person you're going to hire people. They're going to look to you for your level of conviction. So you have to really exercise a very high level of commitment at the outset because you kind of won't get through it otherwise. So that's, you know, the first thing I typically tell people. The second thing is, you know, and I'm, I'm very practical about this. Look, is it a viable thing to pursue? You really should. You are opting to spend your time and sometimes even your money building something. And you want to make sure that it has a, a flying chance at success. So work through your business model with other people. 
think about like we did a lot of, for example, if you're if you're thinking about starting a consumer business, we did a lot of um, user surveying to figure out if people really wanted this product or if they wanted something else. Um, you know, do a little bit of um, pressure testing against your hypothesis around what you're starting, and you know, I think ultimately, a it also help you have conviction when you end up starting the business. And you should do what is the best, highest, best value for your time. And so don't start a business that doesn't make sense. So find your most critical person, the person that really thinks it's a terrible idea, and ask them to point by point list out why your idea is terrible, and then ensure that you have an, a legitimate answer to all of those things. Don't be afraid of the critics. Sometimes they can make you a lot better of a business person as you're starting something. I definitely agree. I think you need to be able to accept criticism or you'll easily give up on your vision. And that's the whole point of creating a business is taking feedback and making it better. So networking wise, what would you recommend for someone? I know you went to Harvard Business School and I'm sure you met a lot of great connections, but what do you think are some ways to network with other entrepreneurs? That's a good question. I um, I think, you know, depending on where you live, um, almost every city in this country has a ton of, you know, a ton of focus on entrepreneurs right now. I think, you know, rightfully, um, localities, organizations are really feeling like this is a really interesting point of growth for, for local and national economies. And so I would definitely look up whatever meetups there are, or if there's an organization. So for example, here in Denver Boulder, there's um, Techstars, you know, there, there are these like local organizations that kind of become um, the nexus of anyone that's kind of enter, thinking about entering into the entrepreneurial life. And usually from there, if you, you know, start to go to events and you meet one or two people, you'll start to find that you'll meet, you know, those two people introduce you to 10 people and then, you know, 10 turns into however many um, and that's a really great way to kind of get started. So that's one. Um, two, you know, if you're a woman, I sometimes say sometimes it's a little easier to network with women um, who are entrepreneurs just because we have a different perspective on running businesses and how hard it is. And we kind of understand um, that things can be a little different sometimes. And so there's almost all there's not a there are a couple um interesting kind of national organizations popping up. So for example, if you're in New York, go to the wing, just go to the wing. Um, <laughs> and you will meet a ton of people and everyone's so welcoming and open. And it's, um, it's just a really great community again, because I think women are kind of coming together to support each other, um, in a really beautiful way right now. Amazing. Thank you. This whole show is about living your most authentic life and being true to yourself and your vision. And I know you must have been through many struggles as everyone has and faced judgment. So I wanted to ask you, what does living your most authentic life mean to you? I think um, that's a great question. I think for me, it's feeling like I'm, I'm success in my work is equivalent, or let me put it this way, that I can achieve success in my professional life or personal life, and I can do so while still being me. Does that make sense? Yeah, like not defining you. Yeah, it's like, it's like interesting. I've been in jobs, for example, where success sometimes meant doing things that didn't feel either right to me or authentic to me. Um, and that always, there was always some dissonance with that, uh, cognitively, where I felt 
like in order to reach the next level, I had to do this thing, but that thing doesn't seem like the right thing to do. Um, and so, you know, what's kind of nice a little bit about starting your own company is, you know, there are external measures of success, but you know, I have had, um, you know, board members, um, for example, I've had to kick off board members who, you know, had sexually harassed women and, um, you know, and I was able to do so, you know, I felt like that was the right thing to do. Um, and I was also given the freedom to do so. And that to me was like, you know, such a unique moment of authenticity where in a larger company, you might get pressure to sort of go with the flow and (laughs) not rock the boat. Um, so I think there's a lot of this, like, you know, being true to yourself is also being in a position or being in an environment where other people allow you to be true to yourself. Mm. And so Frances Fry, who's, um, who was actually at Uber for a while and, and she's a professor at HBS, has this whole saying that you, you know, she's sort of like, you know, you really need to be authentic because particularly as you rise to, to places of management, people can sniff out inauthenticity very quickly. So if you're in an organization that doesn't allow you to be you, you should leave. Definitely. Thank you. I completely agree. And I admire that and can see that you're very authentic in what you do. And I really admire that. So I really appreciate you being here. And lastly, I want to ask you what's coming up next for Havenly and where can listeners follow? You can always follow us at um, www.havenly.com. We're also on Instagram at The Havenly and Twitter at The Havenly. Um, And, you know, I think for us, it's really we continue to try and and develop the best customer experience out there um, around home furnishings. We want to be the first place you go when you think about decorating your home. And so we've got a lot to build around that. But um, but we're excited. We're expanding and and growing and um, it should be really fun to kind of see us see us continue to uh, to go down this path. Amazing. Well, I look forward to watching you and Havenly thrive. I definitely had fun on the website for a bit and made me excited to decorate my own home. So thank you so much for being here, Lee. I really appreciate it and hope you have a wonderful day. Thank you. And thanks for having me. Of course. So I hope you enjoyed that episode with Lee. I appreciate how honest she was in general and especially on the topic of finding that work-life balance and how so many people glamorize entrepreneurship and being a CEO and a founder and, and you don't see what happens behind the scenes. We don't see the hours and the hours that people work and the sacrifices others have to make. There were so many great topics that Lee touched on, but I do appreciate the fact that she was so open explaining that being a founder, being a CEO is hard. I mean, that's pretty obvious. People would assume, but we so often think, oh, it's so much easier to be your own, to be an entrepreneur, to be a CEO of your own company or to be your own boss. And yes, I'm sure there's so many great things that come with that. And Lee touches on that, but she explains that it's also so difficult. You're always working. You have to, you have to do the hard things that maybe someone in a different position would not have to do. It's believing in your vision and what you're doing long term, especially on those hard days or when other people doubt you and make you feel like what you're doing isn't good enough. And Lee even shares that even though she went to Harvard Business School and she's thriving in her business, she still had some judgment, whether it was from one of her parents or from people around her for maybe not taking a different route. 
And at the end of the day, you have to know yourself and you have to, like Lee says, if you want to start your own business, it's not something I personally don't think people just go into it with. I might as well try it. I don't really care that much. I personally think you have to be all in. You definitely have to start somewhere and you will have moments where you doubt yourself, of course, but you have to be all in. You really have to believe in what you're doing. And I think just sticking to that is so important. So it's always inspiring to me to speak with someone who is doing really well and what they're passionate about because everyone starts somewhere and it's inspiring to see someone who's thriving in what they're doing and they're also very honest. Lee explains that she struggled to find that balance at times and how sometimes she thinks it would be easier to just work for someone else because then you can put that work away. You don't worry about it on vacation. Maybe you don't worry about it after hours, but when it's your own company or when you're CEO and you're the co-founder, obviously your responsibility is so much more and it becomes your life. It really does. And for me, you know, I, like I said, I'm not even thriving in the way I'd like to yet with my career and business, but I still feel like it's my whole life. I feel like I'm working on it all the time. Like even when I have free time, I just want to be creative and or research guests or write an email or blog post. And sometimes you have to find that balance. So it was really nice to hear Lee say that because as I'm slowly, hopefully growing in my own business, that's something I would like to work on. Balancing your relationships, balancing work, and also having people in your life who understand what you're doing. Having people who understand that if you miss something, if you miss a friend's lunch or something for a really important event that will help your business, then hopefully they will understand. And if they don't, then maybe you want different people in your life who will understand and you want a community who gets it. We also touch on the importance of networking and places that you can network and find that community that you connect with. And that's something I'm always working on is finding that community because it can get lonely. Lee said it can get lonely when you're starting now and you maybe you don't have employees yet and you're working on your vision and you're the only one who sees it and it's important to find those people who get it or they're doing their own thing that's similar or that they just understand and so that's something I'm also always trying to do and trying to have that work-life balance because it can definitely consume you when you're working on your own work and business. So I really enjoyed having Lee on the show. I love interior designs, so I was really excited to chat with her and hear more about her because she's super inspiring and clearly very intelligent and hardworking. She went to Harvard Business School, and she's done an amazing job at growing Havenly. So I personally really enjoyed this episode. I hope you did too. If you did, feel free to leave a review on this podcast or a rating. I would love to know how you've been enjoying the show, or you can send me a message on Instagram at tara.mont or the Instagram for this podcast at Trust and Thrive. And let me know if you've been enjoying the show and what other guests you would like to have on the show as well, because I'm always curious to know what you're interested in hearing so I can find guests that you can resonate with. If you would like to use Havenly and want to learn more, you can follow the Instagram account at The Havenly or visit their website, www.havenly.com. And all this information will be in the description of this episode as always. So with that said, I hope you all have a lovely rest of your week and I will catch you all next Thrive Thursday.